Have you ever read a book and thought to yourself, I could explain this to someone else, but maybe there's a few things that I want explained back to me. I'll be sitting down with authors, thought leaders, visionaries. I'm your host, Josh Lipstone. This is Explain This Book to Me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Josh Lipstone, and today is the seventh and final episode in our limited series called Explain This Book to Me. I am joined one final time by my guest and very good friend, Jason Cass, who's the author of the book, Customer Service is Just Foreplay, The Modern Customer Experience Will Separate You from Your Competition. How are you feeling now that our limited series has come to a close? I... um. I, I'm excited about it, but mm-hmm. today I'm really excited about this one because now we can get to, um, first of all, a lot of those things we've discussed over the last podcast should be doing, should have been done then. You should sure doing them today, but I want to, I really want to bounce off of where we'll be in 2025 and 2030. Um, and I'm very excited about that. But I also want to say, Josh, that's something that you said at the very beginning right there about Jason, mm-hmm. my um, insurance agent author, but also a good friend. Um, I want the loyal listeners to know, and they do know from listening to me over 400 of these things, uh, that that is a true statement. We are good friends, and your friendship is greatly appreciated. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you the questions that you normally ask your guests. Now, normally you do give some answer, but you know what? We need to get direct answers from Jason oh, Gass. Shoot, this is a surprise. All right. All right. Not know this. Yes. So the first question is, are you an Android or an iPhone user? I'm an Android user. I'm a definitely an Android user. Everybody knows I'm a proud Android user. I have to tell you, it's like applied to me. I have respect for it. Okay, I have way more respect than I show. Okay, mm-hmm. Whenever we hit play and record, it's Jason Cass podcast hour, right? But real true, Jason Cass behind the scenes, pull the curtain back. I have high respect for Apple. Um, I wish sometimes our Android products would work. I'll give you an example. AirDrop. Mm-hmm. I, I'm jealous of AirDrop. Like yeah. you guys can like take pictures. We take pictures in Cuba and they're just dropping them to each other like left and right. And yep. Me and the Android people are over here like, well, let's upload it to Google Drive. Oh, that doesn't work in Cuba. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> and I'm like, damn it, these damn Apple people. So it is a good product, just not superior. I understood. All right. The second question is, what is the last app that you downloaded? Um, do you actually, need to grab your phone? Yeah, I do need to grab my phone just like them. And actually, I do not download a lot of apps, but I did um, just download one because I was camping. What did I download? Oh, I actually remember what it was. It was TikTok. <laughs> it was TikTok. Um, do you want I'm, to give the loyal listeners your TikTok username? Uh, hold on. Um, this should be good. Yeah, I have no idea. Oh, there's me. Oh no, I I don't. I haven't. I haven't uh, named it anything. It's just still boring user number. Okay. Yeah. Now it says I can edit that, and username is unique identity. Once you've changed it, you won't be able to change it within thirty days. Okay. So see, it says that I can change it. I didn't know that. So now that I will, um, I just get addicted to those damn things, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are. You can go when we're talking about rabbit holes. Oh yeah! Wow. Yes. And and my wife is is the same way. I mean, they. You know why I like it? Why creativity? Mm-hmm. People are so freaking creative. It's ridiculous. You can just look at memes in your Facebook and you can see that. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Creative, so TikTok, creative. interesting. All right, yeah. now you say that readers are leaders and leaders are readers. So the third question is, what's the last book that you read? Okay, the last book that I read um, was The Wedge. Um, and yeah, and I've been slacking this year. Uh, it took me until February to read my, uh, John C, uh, John, yeah, John C. Maxwell's uh, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. I believe this may be my 16th or 17th year that oh, I've wow. read, that I've read that at the beginning of every year. Like it, it, it's almost as long as my career. So that's how I know. And it was, that's a very, very, very big book to me. Probably not 16, 17, probably about 14 or 15. But that's a very, very big book to me. Um, I have said for a long time that if you know the 21 laws of leadership, you can predict the future in business. And I really, truly believe that if you know those things, they're going to happen. It's like throwing a pin up in the air. You know it's yeah. going to come down. Um, but the the wedge is one that I rewrote, read because uh, Randy and I are good friends and he was challenging me. Um, on the way that the wedge is written versus some of the new ways, um, not new ways, but the ways he sees sales today. And so, and so that was, um, that was one. I've also been telling my loyal listeners about Adrift. Um, okay. I read that about three or four weeks ago. That's like 76 days lost at sea. Um, okay. that, that's something that is very fascinating to me. Um, and then well, hold on one thing, because I feel like I'm forgetting one. Let me go to my Audible real quick. Here it is. I feel like I'm forgetting one. I have just downloaded one. Oh, well, okay. Two, two actually. Traction. I stopped traction though in about the second chapter because I realized that I need to do that with my team. That's okay. straight up. I stopped that. I was like, whoa, this is some stuff I need to do. And this is way bigger than just me. But I'm telling you, I'm also a geek. And one of the ones that I like, um, which uh, is is big for me is Carl um, Sandberg's uh, Abraham Lincoln the Prairie Years and the War Years. It is long, but it is really good. A lot of stuff about Lincoln I didn't know. Anybody should get anything Malcolm Gladwell out there talking to yes. strangers. And recently I downloaded Blink, um, so that one is an older one of his. But it it's uh, anything him. So, anyways, those are the best. If you want the best prospecting book in the world, it's Fanatical Prospecting. So Got it on as you show. can tell, I, yeah, I love, I love to read and you know what fanatical prospecting Jeb Blunt is somebody that, you know, and I know people that could actually get him on. So that would, exciting. that would be exciting. Just What's now thought of that. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, the fourth and final question and loyal listeners, if I've missed any, I apologize, but these were the four that I could remember. Fourth and final question is, is it luck or skill that brought you to the place where you are today. Think about it all the time. There's no doubt in the world that it's luck. Um, I was given unbelievable skills by God. Um, I don't have a college degree. I think I have two weeks in, and I don't think they gave me any credits. Um, I have unbelievable luck. Things just happen. Like things happen when I run out of money, I just get money. I know that sounds funny, but like something happens, like someone owed me from two years ago that finally finds me and gives me $2,000. Like it, it's like, oh my gosh, I was just saying I needed this 1500 bucks, right? My life has always been like that. It's just really, really, really weird. And so when I mix that with hard work, mm -hmm. now it explodes. But if I had to say one, I would say, and I wouldn't say 51% luck and 
and 49% skill. I'm literally going to say like 75% luck and 25% skill. But here's the thing I think, and then maybe I'm wrong. You need less skill the more luck you have. But I think the less luck you feel is if you have just things don't go right against you, you're probably going to need a little bit more skill. Um, I don't haven't had to have as much skill because I believe the luck factor. Yes, Jason thinks about this. The luck factor is probably two times the effect of the skill factor. So if I have 75 percent, let's say luck, that means in 25 percent skill, I don't need as much skill in order to make I, to make the, my skill level be high because I have so much luck waiting down the other side. This is just, I know, I think about this a lot. Um, Interesting. Used to be over wine. Gotcha. Interesting. Well, there you have it, folks. Yeah. And, 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 and actually, they would be, they would be remorse uh, or they would be remiss to say, Jason, you, did, you didn't answer the, the, the main one also, which is, do you love to win or do you hate to uh, win? Yes, that's the one. Yes, that's I knew okay. I was forgetting okay. one. That's okay. I have to be one. the host. It's unbelievable. Yes. I have to be the host. <laughs> um, so um, uh, I'm going to say I love to win. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do, and I'm going to say what I, I, cause I really don't know, but the, but my list and my guests have helped me with this because I'm going to go on positivity and negativity. When I, when I lose, I get in a negative mood. I get angry. I get violent. You know, I, I, that's the only time I, the only like six or seven times I've been arrested is after I lost. No, I'm joking. I've never been arrested in my life. I'm joking. Someone <laughs> so Google was, that for us, please. And I let promise, us know. <laughs> promised 100%. Actually, when I was 18 years old, I did get, you want to hear this? This is, this is sure. so funny. Yeah. And then we're going to get onto the book. Yeah. Okay. But dude, okay. So I'm 18 years old. I'm driving down the road. I'm speeding. Cop pulls me over right in the middle of town. Uh, cop pulls me over. He comes up to me. He gets my license stuff, goes back to the car, comes back. And he was like, hey, you have a warrant out for your arrest. I need you to step out of the vehicle. I'm like, I'm like, warrant out for my arrest? Like, I was a pretty wild child. But I, I, I didn't get in trouble like that. I'm like, I'm like, whoa. I'm like, what are you talking about? So, so, so I get out and stuff. And sure enough, they take me to the court or to the jail cell. And they don't put wow. me like in the jail cell you see on TV. It's just like a little gated or a little fenced room, little area inside the, the, the police department. And so <clears throat> I'm sitting in there and my mom comes up there. And I mean, my mom and my loyal listeners know my mom's meaner than shit. Okay. My mom is mean. And, and she's, she's just like, boy, you better hope that this is a, this is a mistake. And I'm like, mom, I swear I've never, I've never anything happened. What happened was, is there's three counties over in St. Clair County. There's a guy by the name of Justin Case. Uh C-A-S-E. Justin Case. If you take his driver's license number, it is identical to mine. The way that Illinois uses their uh, process for coming up with the driver's license number. And so at the end of mine is an A and at the mm-hmm. end of his is a B now because of this incident. Wow. I literally, my mom had to go have a, because the guy's always getting in trouble. He's always getting in trouble. And, and, and this is probably two or three times yeah. they've, they've said, Hey, you know, you, we have a warrant for speeding tickets. And I've had to tell him like, please go back and look at the A and the B and call mm-hmm. that in and ask. And you're going to find out that this is not me. Yeah. And so that, that is a true story of the only time I was arrested. I was in handcuffs for probably about two or three hours and then they let me out. So that's the only time I claim to fame. That's what I'm talking about, dude. I always was in situations where they just, I just was able to get out of them because it's like not realistic, but I can still claim that I was arrested. There you go. There you go. 
All right. Well, loyal listeners. Now we're 11 minutes in. Yeah, we are. We are. Now, I don't think we're going to make it a full nine innings, but for those keeping score at home, we are recording this podcast on Tuesday, June 16th, 2020. Hey, let me ask you, Josh, do you like it when I say that in the podcast? When I I have had people literally tell me that they like it when I say the date of when it's being recorded. Yes, only because I listen to so many podcasts that I often get behind. And I look and I'm like, okay, this says that it was released on June, you know, July 1st, 2020. But I always think to myself, when did they actually record it? Was it months ago? Was it a week? So I actually, I like it uh, because information changes. You know, some of the other podcasts that I listen to, it's like news related. And so things have changed. And so if I'm listening to it three months later, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for so, letting me know that. Yeah. Uh, Chris Chris Green is the first one, and he hits me all the time about that. Sue Ann Capes, all these people are like, I love it when you say the date that you're recording. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's cool. There you, you know? go. Okay. All right. Well, let's go ahead and dive into Chapter 15, The Modern Customer Experience, Make It Your Own. So you start off talking about the travel agent and how companies like Expedia and Orbitz make it so simple for people to plan and book their vacations that it really meant the end for many travel agencies. However, travel agencies that adapted and focused on travel outside the U.S., and I would personally like to add those who specialized in Disney in the U.S., True. were able to create a better and more profitable business, and they continue to thrive today in 2020. Now, I'm not sure about you, but me personally, I've actually not used Expedia or Orbitz to book a vacation in many years because I found that going directly to the airlines or going directly to a hotel website provides either a better price or the same. But if you have an issue, it's much easier to deal directly with them than through a third party. So Do you think that for the insurance consumer, they're trying to do it on their own, they're going to realize that they really need an independent agent and they will shift away from this idea of, let me do it on my own, let me go to Lemonade, let me go to someone else and come back to the idea of, I want that independent insurance agent to help me out? Or do you think we'll always be stuck at our 30 to 33% market share and we're just going to be trading people who no longer need insurance for the people who are coming in that need that extra help or support? Well, Josh, something that you had thrown in in one of the first couple um, podcasts, which I thought was really, really interesting. And I'll be honest with you, I was I was curious why I hadn't thought of it already because I think so much about this stuff is that you talked about doing it for a fee versus mm-hmm. not doing it for a fee, right? Right. Gosh, I think that has huge legs, buddy. Why? Because we already have – so because we already have other – let me say that again so, that, so you guys can – editors can get that correctly. I say that because we already have other industries like the financial industry that are doing that same thing. So I really, truly do think that you have like that you are really, really onto something that I didn't think about. And I need we need to contemplate that into what we're talking about. I believe in polar opposites today. I mean, the opposites of everything are just getting drastic, you know, and I think that eventually society will come away from that for the next 5, 10, 15 years I don't, until, I mean, literally there's some kind of war or something. I don't know what until we can calm down and maybe respect once again each other. But I see the same thing here. There's going to be a lot of handholding. 
we have those clients today that are are walking the tightrope, right? They're 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 like, well, I do whenever I need it to be digital, I want it, right? But whenever right. I don't want it, I believe there's going to be hyper of that. I believe there's going to just be people like, I don't ever want to speak to somebody. Yeah. I don't ever want that to happen. Um, and then there's going to be, and especially when Amazon that happens, and you don't ever have to d- deal with them. You know, it is a nightmare if you ever have an issue with them, but very rarely do you have an issue. Do you hear anybody having an issue with them? And then I believe there's going to be those who do want to be handled, but they're still going to want the technology. They're still going to want that do-it-yourself, but but that they're still going to want that. I think there's going to be, um, like today, some people buy their life insurance online, but they still want to buy their auto and home um, right. through their agent. I, I believe that's going to go away. I do. I believe it's going to be opposite. I think it's going to be they're either going to take their auto and home and start doing it all themselves or they're going to realize they messed up on their life insurance because they have way more assets than they expected. And they're just like, forget it. I messed up 10 years ago. I'm just going to have Jason do it. Yep. Uh, I, I just believe that that's going to happen. Why do I think that? Because the world is becoming more busy. It's becoming more noisy. It's becoming way, way, way less efficient. And we have to make it more efficient. And that's what technology and these tools truly are. So that's my best guess. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Now, I also have to say I don't go to Expedia and stuff anymore either. I go yeah. to um, the airline or the hotel directly. Now, I just went to Southwest Vacations, booked my wife something for Miami um, oh. that she's supposed to be going to next week. But we booked it like three, four months ago before COVID. Dude, we canceled it. And they say it's going to take 90 to 120 days to get my money back. That's I'm like insane. 90 to 120 days. Are you kidding me? That was something I had never experienced. So just FYI on Southwest Vacations. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So let's go over the, the steps that are in the book, which is how you recommend to build the modern customer experience for an agency in 2015. And it's it's an eight step process. So we'll go over it. I'll go over it and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it. So first step, get an agile AMS. You need at a minimum one that has an open API and then in the next couple years, one that has an RPA. Basically, right now, you're recommending Neon. Two, build a new website that sells. To me, this is a very short conversation. Contact Advisor Evolved. They're the only option. That's right. Three, give your customers self-service, whether it's obtaining a proposal, requesting a COI, making a payment, requesting vehicle change. You need to create an automated process or have a VA or outsourcing company to handle the $10 jobs instead of you doing the $10 jobs. Agency VA is a great solution. Mm -hmm. Four, embrace mobile technology. Offer a mobile app to your clients to create mobile moments. The insurance agent app is the go-to for this. Five, use a real referral system. You need to create a system for this. Someone that I have personally spoken to um, and worked with is Stacy Brown Randall. Some of you have, may have heard about her. Um, she isn't specific to the insurance industry, but a North Carolina agent introduced me to her, and she does have uh, plenty of experience. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. I'd like to know more about her. Uh, don't forget to tell me about her. Okay. Yeah, she has a book as well. Um, so she can help create uh, a dynamic referral program. Number six, establish your brand and USP. It needs to be more than we offer great customer service because not only does everyone say that, but what great customer service is to one person may be different for another. 
If you need help with this, agency performance partners will be there for you. And then seven, develop your marketing funnel. Being able to develop that pipeline through online leads, you need to talk to local traffic marketing and better agency. And then finally, number eight, bring it all together, retention and cross-selling. And if you have all the other pieces in place, and this will all fall together, but you need a plan. So Jason, is there anything that you want to add to that before we talk about one final story, and then we're going to move on to the great separator? Number six is so powerful. Number six is so freaking powerful. Because establish your brand message in your USP. I want you to understand, Josh, we were talking about this the other day, and it's the mm-hmm. truth. It's, it is the old-fashioned elevator speech. And how many times did you actually give that speech in an elevator, right? Maybe mm-hmm. somebody did in 1923 and coined that phrase. The point is, is today, which is never was the elevator, today it's data and your interpretation of it. Now, this, is, this, this can get a little deep here. Um, so I want to make sure that we don't, because it kind of leads into the great separator as well, is that the da- your elevator speech is not what you say. It's about what everybody else is saying about you, right? Which is being collected through reviews. Um, eventually, we'll have reputation scores that will be more powerful than credit scores. Um, there's a lot of things that are being said that before, no one knew who you were in the elevator unless you spoke. Today, you're going to get on the elevator and everybody's going to know who you are. And what you say lets them know if you're telling the truth. Ooh, see, they already know who you are. They already know your elevator speech. But do you live in accordance with that? And then you need to know who your elevator speech is because the data that you're trying to mine out there needs to be from people that are congruent, who are parallel with your branding message of what your elevator speech is. And if you don't know the, the, um, the, um, the social categories, the, the triggers of your certain type of client or the, um, I can't think of the expectations of your certain clients, mm-hmm. you're going to end up advertising to people who don't fall in line with that. So they are going to approach you about giving you their service, which is insurance. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to find out that you actually were never a fit. And you're going to find out that you were never, ever a fit after you did the work. And they end up going back to somebody else. So there's a dynamic of them understanding, knowing who you are and hoping that you live parallel and you talk parallel and you create a customer experience parallel to that. But there's also a disadvantage on the marketing side about attracting the wrong data by you using the wrong data, attracting those people into your agency that don't fit you and you end up doing the work to find that out. Wow. That was a lot of good stuff. I I hope so. That's that's, that's, that's very, very powerful right there. Well, good. All right. So now the next section of the book talks about the modern customer experience, how, what it looks like on any given day, but we're going to skip that part of the book because that's going to be part of the discussion for the great separator. Here's what I want to talk about. And it's the final story in the book. And it comes from Jim Collins book, great by choice. In it, he talks about how two camps of hikers start out or set out on a 1,400-mile trek, which is about the distance from New York City to Chicago. You had one camp who would drive themselves to exhaustion if the weather was good and then not hike on the day when the weather was bad, whereas the other camp would go 20 miles per day every day no matter what. 
And at the end, the camp that went 20 miles a day not only made it in less time, but they were in good form. The camp that didn't do that and just went as hard as possible when they could and then rested when they they wanted to, not only did they never make it, but they in fact lost some people along the way. Mm -hmm. So I want the loyal listener, think about that story, how it applies to your agency, comment on a Facebook or Instagram post, let us know how that impacts you and how things are going to change in your your agency for that. So let's go ahead and move on to the... Uh, to the great separator, which, as I said in the last one, it's a presentation that unfortunately I have not heard in person. So I'm really excited that we can talk one on one about this. Now, I am too. You were kind enough to send me the slide, so I did have I was able to review it. So I have basically like a fifty thousand foot view of it. Yes, but um, it's broken down into five sections. So I'm going to go over them real briefly, um, if we can even call them five sections. But there's five parts to it. So you have the beginning, which talks about your journey. Then you have the book that we just spent the last seven episodes reviewing, and you talk about the Geico story. Uh, Mm -hmm. Then we move on to The Great Separator, which is business intelligence versus agency intelligence and the three pillars. Then we have the agency models, which are classic, modern, hybrid, automated. And then we do the takeaway. So let's kind of dive in. And do you want to just start off on The Great Separator? Yeah. So okay. we just got done on on um, customer service just for play some modern customer experience. And here's what happened. And so with loyal listeners, if you want, you can go back to um, late 2018, early 2019, mm-hmm. um, actually middle of 2018 as well. I was totally in the midst of this and I was just popping out podcasts left and right trying to get this out of my brain. And so the reason what spurred it was, is there's other people person in my town and other people in my state and my region that have decided to read my book and do what it says. And it's so funny. So many people have always said to me, Jason, why do you give away your secrets? You know, aren't you scared somebody else would do that? I'm like, eh, less than two to 3% of them will even do it. Well, it's probably less than two to 3%. But the fact is, is when they start to do it, you start to realize that what somebody is doing two states over can affect you especially when you're dealing with commercial insurance and you're dealing with uh, markets and stuff. So all of a sudden that starts to become real. And, and when they do, and I picture a world in five to 10 years where everybody has a great customer experience and not because everybody created one, it's because those who created one outdid those who wouldn't. And so they got rid of them. And so now we have great customer experiences. So everybody's being separated. Well, what is the next one? right? What is the next separator? Like, where are we going to go? What's this happening? And what's amazing is that over 40, 50, 60, 70 years, customer service ruled it, Yes, right? It was just that. It was just customer service. And then, you know, one of the first inklings that I can find, probably many more, but Walmart, oh my gosh, the the owner of uh, Walmart. Oh, oh, wow. Sam Uh, Walton. Sam Walton. Thank you. Goodness. Sam Walton is quoted back, I think, in the 60s, 70s, somewhere back in there, saying um, that uh, Walmart doesn't train their people to be nice. We just hire nice people. Now, when you listen to what he's saying there, he's talking about a customer experience. He just doesn't realize that yet. Right. Because, because it was how you make them feel, how, you know, the interactions you're having with them. And hear that, the interactions you're having with them. He knew 
back then mm-hmm. that that was vital to the process. And that is a tenet. That is a pillar that still stands. Yes. It still stands. And so I thought, and, and so now when we created this customer experience over the last seven to eight years, now all of a sudden we need something else, right? We were there for 70, 80 years. Now we've been here in customer experience for seven or eight years being the main thing. And now we need something else. And it's the customer. It's the great separator. Mm-hmm. And so the great separator is broken into an understanding that this is this is one of those things where it's very easy to see because it's being done in other areas. Okay, first of all, two ways to be able to tell the future. Okay, two simple, simple ways. Daniel Burris has explained this to me many times. Hard trends and soft trends. Okay. You can look at hard trends and you can look at soft trends and then you mix that with what other industries are doing that are comparable to yours and are not comparable, like very far from being comparable to yours. And when you start to look at hard trends and soft trends, the hard trend is something that it just happens, right? It's just steady. But then the soft trend is, well, that wasn't like that six years ago and it wasn't like that you know, 20 years before that, but I can see now how, where that's going. Then you mix that with your industry and what other industries are doing and you can predict the future. I mean, really, it's, it's that simple. These guys are not like they, 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 they train themselves on this. It's not like they were just born philosophers. Yeah. And, so, and so whenever they, they say this and you look at this, I look at what other industries are doing and I look at business intelligence. Okay? Okay. And so when I look at business intelligence, that's what the rest of the world calls it. And what we in the insurance industry call it is agency intelligence. If anybody wants to really know, you can kind of see the branding and marketing mind of Jason Cass and the reason why I went from the GROW program and started realizing where we were going. And I renamed this in 2018 uh, before I had even contemplated the great separator. It's just, it's, just a, it's just a process in my brain. And business intelligence is technology-driven process for analyzing data and presenting actionable information to help execute managers or executives, managers, and other corporate end users make informed business decisions. Okay. Basically, basically that is looking at data. Mm-hmm. That is looking at people. Mm-hmm. That is looking at process. Okay. These are the three pillars of the great separator. And uh, everything that is wrapped around those pillars are ivy of knowledge and soft trends, okay? Soft trends of things that are happening out there that we can look at other industries. And we're going to give real life examples. This isn't just like some 50,000 foot view. I'm going to give you real life examples that are making you go, okay, I see that now. But understand that business intelligence is very, very important. A lot of, there's a slide in here that I know people really just kind of gloss over when I'm, when I'm. Um, when I'm ever I'm presenting to them, but this is really understands it reduces the risk of bottlenecks process helps that. Okay. Process prevents that improving the decision-making process. The people prevent that the data prevent that or create that. Okay. This is very, very important. CSRs in the future will not be paid based on how well they know insurance. They will be paid based on how well they can mine data. You heard it here. Okay. Okay. Help you understand your business. We need to have a holistic approach. We talked about this in the last podcast. How do you know what your retention is if you're not measuring it? Right. Right. 
the fact that our AMSs don't measure it is our is the fault, not us. That we don't know that because right. I think we would all know that if our systems would have let us do that. So that's the problem. Access and share information easily. That's the APIs. That's the integration. Okay. Enable real time analysis. That's integrations. That's data. That's boom. Like right now, how how much have I made to the dollar? in revenue for as of June 16th, right? Right. I'll help identify waste in the system. This is so important because it's data people process. So all this stuff here has to do with data people process, okay? So we call this in our world called the insurance industry, agency intelligence. And agency intelligence is technology-driven practice. Okay. Here's what I realized, Josh, when I went out and searched Google, no one had put a definition to agency intelligence. So Cass is like, when I put the definition to it, that's what it is. So I I called Webster and I thought, screw Webster's dictionary. I'm creating my own dictionary. All right. Agency intelligence is a technology-driven practice for utilizing data, people, and process that allows insurance professionals to create a customer experience. This is it. This is it. That anticipates customers' expectations because Sam Walton knew that those interactions eventually would create expectations of Mm -hmm. their clients. And he didn't even realize this, but here's the key. Here's the key. It's not so much the expectations. I don't know the correct word. It's unexpectations. It's It's doing the things that you don't expect. As that customer and client going through that 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 journey, it's the things you don't expect, and those are the things. How many times have you been wowed by doing business with somebody and you're like, "Wow, I was not going, I was not expecting that." Right. That's one of the most amazing things that you can ever experience in business. Like, wow, I knew they get great customer experience, but I was not expecting that. That's what we got to do. Mm-hmm. That that's the next separator. We have to make people say. I wasn't expecting that. Right. The only way you can do that is through data, through people, and through process. Okay? That's just the only way you can get it. God, I'm getting excited yeah. about this shit. I just love it. I just love it. Well, Let's give some examples yeah. of the data. Well, before, Go ahead. Yeah, Keep before going. you do that, what what I think that you need to tell the loyal listeners is you came out with this in January 2019, correct? Actually, I delivered it in 2019. Okay. Sarah, Nicholas, and I made it from 18, the summer of 18, okay. till the end of 18. Okay. All right. So mm-hmm. it made its premiere in 2019. This correct. was prior to you knowing Seth Zaremba and Neon, correct? Correct. Never talked so, to him one time in my life. Never emailed him anything. So the interesting part is the fact that you came up with this, Seth came up with it, and now he has developed a technology that will be able to allow people to actually utilize agency intelligence rather than it being a, a, a hope or a wish. And you know how awesome life is? Life is so awesome that the first two people on Neon is Seth and Jason. That's right. That's the way life goes. And I thought I was like number eight or nine, but mm-hmm. like a horse coming around the corner, brother, I moved and <laughs> jockeyed my way right up to the beginning. I couldn't believe it. So July 19th, but yes, good point. I did not know. And that's the thing about it. Like, I didn't know Neon. I just knew this would be the practices and the way that it would happen. And then when I gave the presentation at the IAOA um, presentation, he was listening to it on Facebook Live. And as soon as I got off the stage, not as soon as I, but like within an hour or something, he called me. He was like, dude, we don't know each other. 
my name's Jay or my name's Seth. He's like, uh, Ryan has told me that we need to connect. I just want you to know, I just listened to the, the great separator and what you have in your brain. He said, buddy, I built it. So about a day or two later, I was at home. I called him and I said, Hey dude, I said, uh, cause that was in uh, Vegas. And I said, Hey, I said, um, explain this to me. We sat on the phone. It wasn't long. It was like 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. And he explained to me what he had. And I was like, holy crap. Immediately bought a ticket for Ohio, grabbed Travis, jumped on a plane, flew to Ohio, saw, saw it for seven to eight hours and was absolutely amazed. And that's, and we knew that we had seen transformation. And what I had anticipated though, was I didn't realize that we could create the agency intelligence because I knew we needed software for that. And that was going to be very hard to get past the legacy systems. But as life throws us um, uh, softballs every once in a while and sometimes curveballs, life threw us a softball when they gave us Seth Zaremba, who people need to understand Seth Zaremba was a welder. That's what his background was. He is a welder, but you have to understand that he, whenever he took over welding in this company, he had to make these certain like tables out of steel. And out of these tables, uh, it took, I think, like three and a half or four hours. Right. And you can listen to a podcast a couple of months, uh, years ago about this. And he actually took the design and changed it completely to where they actually made these tables upside down and then would flip them around or something like that. Anyway, saved this company millions of dollars. And so it's just the way he is. He looks at stuff. And then when 07 and 08 came, he realized he wanted to get an insurance and get out of where he was. Yeah, he got in. Um, that's when he started realizing that he was that he could train himself in sales. And then he got really good. But it was around 2010, 2011, 2013, somewhere 2012, when he started realizing like, wow, like this is ridiculous how we're all competing and how we're all still doing this and we're missing all the data. Okay. And so let's let's talk about those three. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, Josh? it does. Is that where we should go? Oh, yeah, okay. definitely. We should definitely go that way. I just wanted the loyal listeners to realize that this was something that was done independent because you have talked about neon so much, but the fact that mm -hmm. you came up with this idea and the concept and it wasn't something to where you and Seth had a conversation several years ago and you said, Hey, we should really do this. And he said, okay, let me go create it. And then we'll announce it to the world. It That's was, right. And I guess it gets back to your, um, one of the questions that you answered luck or skill. There we go. See, 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 that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, this is exactly what I'm talking about. There you go. All right. So let's talk about the uh, the three pillars, the data, people, process. Do you think that one is more important than the other or do are they all three equally important? Oh, that's so tough, man. Dude, I, I thought about that a lot. I, know. I think data is a little bit more because right now we still have right now without data we have people process right. business has always been that right mm -hmm. so i mean we have always used data though like we knew how many people we talked to and how many mm -hmm. we sold right it was right. just very very uh what would you call that was very ground level um so i believe data because data is the key that threw it all do you remember and once again i didn't even think of this until mm -hmm. a couple months ago you know stromso yeah. stromso's big thing is um People process promotion. Okay. Did you know that? People I did process not. See, I, I remember him telling me that a long time ago. Mm -hmm. and, and then I think to myself, and that's where the difference is, is in that promotion. And it's really interesting if you look at what he describes to be that promotion, how similar it could be to data, but he wasn't looking that direction. Right. Um, okay. So data people process. 
So let's give some examples of this, okay? So I say process is vital, and here's my main thing that I say um, a lot and I post about, is that do you think that large companies got big and then decided, oh, wow, we're getting so big, we need to create some process? Or do we think people, or do we think they created processes and then they got big, right? Right. We know they created process and they got big. There's that 1% that just blew up overnight and was like, crap, we better get a CEO. Yeah. You know, I mean, no, I get that. There's those. But most of the time, that's it. So that explains to me that process is vital for any organization. Exactly. If it starts first and then you get big, that means it's vital for any organization. Josh, there's a lot of agents out there that feel they don't need process because they're only a one, two, three man shop. Which is one of your eliminators, one of your separators right now, is if you keep believing that, you will be separated. Remember, I told you it's made up of many. This is one. And this is one of many. You can't battle, you can't do it without process anymore. You can't. Um, and, it, and it ties into some other things. So I'm going to jump over and it'll tie back to okay. the people. Your people are going crazy. When people come work in my office and they see the processes that we have, and we're not perfect, we're not perfect, but I guarantee you we are light speeds away from most agencies. Mm -hmm. um, and so whenever they come work for me, they're not going to want to come work for you. And if they do come work for you, it's kind of like the customer that leaves Geico and then goes to a terrible insurance agent and then leaves and goes back to Geico. Right. It's not Geico sinking us. No, it's, it's the fact that you have a terrible client experience and the client's going back, right? Yes. So that, that's where it has to go. So we have process here and we have people. We have to know the data of our people. We This is no longer of, hey, we hire them and we put them in the, and because they smile and they're nice, we're going to put them there. The ex of the agents going forward in the, in the great separator have to hire the person for the position. They're hiring the position, not the person. That's so vital because you have to collect data. You have to know where to see the data. Okay. Let's give it now. I'm once again, I'm hopping back and forth and they all tie together. Data. I've talked about before about how TVs are not made anymore um, for $2,000 or $5,000. And people say, oh, it's because the technology is so cheap. Not true. Not true. The technology is still, it's a lot less, but also the metals and the alloys they use in these systems today are very, very expensive. So it's kind of almost weighted itself out. So then why are TVs only $800 when they come out with the UHD, 8K, whatever? The reason is, is because they realize that if they sell you the TV at cost, you're going to buy it, more likely to buy it. And then when you buy it, you're going to have that TV on average for 11 to 13 years. Okay. And I figured out it was 11 to 13 years because the average homeowner lives in their house for 13 years and they usually get a new TV when they right. move. Didn't know that shit, but that's crazy. Interesting. And here's, and here's what they do. They know for the next 11 to 13 years, they can sell the data off that TV and make three times the amount of money they could in selling you the profit of selling it to you for $1,500. So they now know that, that what do they know? They know that you're the product, not the TV. The data is what they're trying to get from you. What is Facebook trying to do? What is Twitter trying to do? Once again, hard trends, soft trends, what other industries doing? These other industries are doing this, and this is where we're going to go. So that made me start thinking, what does an insurance agency have? An insurance agency has a book of business that is worth money. That really, if you think about it, is nothing more than data. 
it really truly is. Somebody is looking at a figure and saying, at the end of the day, I'm going to add up all the deposits into your bank account and whatever that figure is, I'm going to take it times this amount. And that's what the age of value of your agency is. It does. It doesn't say, oh, well, we're going to look at old people versus young people mm-hmm. and that. But let me tell you, in the agency of the future, it will. Oh, yeah. You. When I say you, I'm not talking about you. If you're listening to this, you continue to do business like you do business. You will sell your agency for a one and a half to two and a half times in five to 10 years. And now people will be like, well, Cass, that's what it is now. That's right. But me, I'm going to sell mine for two and a half to three and a half times. And maybe they're paying three, three and a half now venture capitalists. They probably even pay more, especially when they find out that I'm hyper niche focused. I have an unbelievable digital ecosystem. I understand how to utilize data. I told it before. I truly, when I go live, I'm going to be the first agent that actually owns all my data. I own it. Like every bit of data that is in my management system is underneath my Salesforce org ID. And every piece of information that's under my Salesforce org ID is mine. It's not Varuna's. It's I can do anything I want with it. I can take it, package it up, and just sell it to people. Hence where we're going in five to 10 years where we have a stock exchange. Once that data, once we realize that shares of a company are nothing more than data points that are bought and sold and traded. Why can't I have an auto owner's book of business? I don't have auto owners, so I'm using this as an example. If I have an auto owner's book of business, and let's say I have $250,000 in, in premium, and really, you know, I got like a 40, 50% loss ratio. It's really not doing any good for me. But then there's Josh over here, and Josh doesn't have auto owners either, just saying that. Right. Um, because we're Erie agents and Erie doesn't like, auto owners doesn't like no, to play they do with not. Erie. Because they know that Erie's, uh, they don't get any business because Erie's the best. But anyways, so so the, the auto owners, um, let's say that you've sitting on uh, a million, uh, one million seven point five, right? Right. And so you need to get to two million. And you really don't care about the loss ratios. You just need to get to two million so you can collect that extra two and a half percent. Well, how would it be to where you and I could just have a stock exchange like? to where we can just exchange that book of business and it doesn't have to necessarily go through all the confines mm-hmm. of things it does now. Why? Because auto owners is in this ecosystem of data like you and I are. So the walls and the barriers that are created can actually be can go through because we now own our own data. We can share what we want. Auto owners is already buying business and data from me. They're buying it from you. There's this ecosystem that's way bigger than we can even imagine that's going to create and change, not change, transform the dynamics of this. And it's all going to be done and calibrated by data. And look at what every other industry is doing with data. Um, it's it's phenomenal what they're doing. With data, you're going to know your people. It's going to help you build stronger cultures. You're not going to be able to say, well, this person, I feel this way about this person, or I feel that way. No, you're going to be able to see with neon and cases. All of our stuff are done in cases. I can see real time in each case. I can see, let's say a simple auto and home. I mean, a simple add or delete of an auto. I can see by opening the case when it first started, how long that conversation was, the actions that my CSR took, the amount of time it took, the amount of time it took the company to reply, when the download came in, any emails, conversations, it's all inside there. And it's almost like time stamped in a timeline so that you can literally adjust and look and see how we're managing this business. I can find out 
who does nine cases an hour and who's on average doing 12 cases an hour. Sometimes people would say, that's micromanaging. No, that's not. That's giving the, it's almost like, um, it's almost like insurance companies giving discounts based on good driving habits, right? The more that productive you are and efficient you are at gathering data, the more the agency makes. So we're willing to not just share that with you. And that doesn't mean that, hey, you make 60,000, so I'm going to share two or 3,000. No, these people, these CSRs are going to be making ninety dollars to $100,000 a year because the agency is going to be making a crap load of money off the data that it's selling. And so, and, it's, and understand, once again, let me clarify this. The data is not phone numbers. The data is not email addresses, okay? That's old data. That's what legacy systems say is data, and they can give you a, they give you a report of everybody who lives on Pine Street in Centralia. You know, they consider that like awesome marketing stuff shit, right? You know, but anyways, what I think is, is it has to do with interactions. That right. is where the money is. Because interactions tell us about people. Interactions, the things you're watching on TV, tell me about who you are. If you watch the castes, you notice those that we don't like scary movies. Because we don't watch anything scary. If you watch Hannah and Josh, you know that they have an obsession with Walt Disney and Disneyland. Because you probably watch a lot of Disney movies and you're always on those type of channels and shit like that, right? Yeah. So there's a lot that we can know. So think about that. If Disney is trying to advertise and they don't know who their data is and who the people are, they're going to advertise the Jason and Jason doesn't care about Disneyland. So now they're going to spend a lot of money and a lot of effort to try and get me when they could just advertise to you. And they're going to get you with hardly ne next to nothing. See, that goes back to that number six yeah. of that branding and that right. image and how you can make. So it's just not data and how to make it. Here's the other thing. Data agents, um, here's, here's another one of those separators. Agencies will go out of business because their employees will put them out of business. Okay. Agencies will go out of business. Here's why. It's going to happen on two sides. It's going to be a double-edged sword here. Agents are going to go out of business because I have a client, I have a, a, a person. Remember how the customer experience works. If I take care of my clients, they go out and they tell other people. That's going to start happening with your employees. And your employees are going to say, I'm telling you what, I used to be a CSR for 10 years too, making like 40, 45,000. I went over here and started working. They have this thing called Neon and it's like totally different. Like insurance is important, but that's like second tier, blah, 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 blah. They're going to start speaking. And what's going to happen is, is, Two things. The good agencies are going to start sucking up the, the good talent. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when we suck up the good talent, it's going to drive out the bad. And when the good talent comes to me, the only thing that's going to be left are the old fashioned CSRs. And they're going to come over here that don't like to work from home, don't understand simple technology. And then they're going to be right over here. And so now you're literally at your demise double. I mean, faster and faster wow. pace. So you start to mix all this stuff together. Why do you, what do you mean by data? Data means that you give unlimited vacations. Data means that you're giving unlimited paid time off because I can track that and I can know other angles about my and, and know the importance of what makes my employees happy other than sometimes just days off. That's a whole nother rhythm there that you have to know about data. The process gonna, is going to help the data. It's going to help you collect the data but it's also going to allow you to reach those interactions. And as I said before, 
It's the unexpected things. Let me give you a last example on on unexpected. Okay, go ahead. This is this is data and this is process in ways that little agencies just can't create. You have um, Hippo. Hippo is a, a home uh, company. Their goal, they'll tell you flat out, is to be the Geico of homeowners insurance. And they have a product that is pretty awesome. And they believe in three different, and this is the way these tech companies believe. And they, they, they completely change the game. And they believe in the before you buy the policy to being educated in it, buying the policy in the begin, um, from actually starting to purchase it to the point of finishing it and buying it. And then the third one is if you need to service it or have a claim. Okay. That's how they break down this stuff. And so they want to have actions and triggers in each one of those phases. Okay. And so it looks something like this. Fire breaks out on a mountain in California. Immediately, once the, 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 um, the, uh, the, um, the fire department is notified, mm-hmm. that goes into a national database that notifies CNN, notifies everybody so they all have the information. Okay. Well, also, HIPPO is plugged into that. So they're getting notifications instantly. And in a matter of a second, they are able to know, okay, here's where it's happening. They've already geofenced all the way around it. Within, you know, 10 miles, we have this many insureds. 30 miles, we have this many insureds. And okay, and now we've plugged in also into the weather channel. And we know that the weather, the wind is blowing out of the northeast. It's 15, 17 miles an hour. So the people that are on this side of the fire, they may be five miles from it, but it doesn't matter. The fire is going this way. And the people who are 20 miles from it are going to get it a lot quicker. So we're going to send out text messages. And those text messages or notifications are going to go out to the insured saying, hey, there's a fire. It's on the other side of the mountain. It'll be to you in about 17 minutes. Then here's what they get. The next text says, hey, I want to let you know that here's your confirmation and reservation number for your um, hotel that we have got for you down in San Bernardino, about 20 miles south, because the insurance companies know that the first thing to sell out or, or fill up every time there's a fire are the hotels. So they wow. fill up. So the insurance company, and then the next one they say is, hey, by the way, we know you have a 78-year-old lady in there that needs ambulatory service. Ambulance has already been notified. They'll be in there in 10 minutes. And don't think about and worry about grabbing anything out because we've got clothes down there for you, but also we're going to have a catering service outside of the hotel that'll get you fed and everything that you need. You don't worry about that. And what the company does is they pay 20% of the cost to the ambulance, to the hotel, to the caterer, whether they use it or not. They pay 125% of the cost if they use it. So it allows them to make sure that they get the priority because they're paying for it whether or not they're using it at all. And the point is they know that they're using it. Um, They are able to create this process through the use of data that is affecting people and their whole staff. And they'll show you like, cause I went to Austin, by the way, I went to Austin, Texas to where one of their uh, headquarters is. And I, I watched this in, in real life. It, I didn't watch the fire, but I watched another claim in real life. And it was yeah. really amazing that the whole process and the different people that were interacting and they were all experts in their own thing that were interacting with this. The last thing I saw them do, which was, I thought was amazing is how they underwrite a, um, a, they underwrite a house okay. from from satellite. They can look at and the history of how the wind is blown, mm-hmm. the way the trees are leaning, 
They know the average age. Somehow their satellite can look at the average age uh. of the tree. They're getting it so good that they're going to be able to tell if the tree has any rot in it from satellite imagery. Yeah, I mean, they're getting good at this stuff to where it allows them to be able to look at risk completely different. That's being done because of data. That's being done because of people. That's become done a process. If you want to listen to other examples, go back and listen to my podcast. I talk one about Apple and their weight loss system. Um, That is a phenomenal one. The point is, is it's all about the expectations that someone has, which is to take care of me in a fire. But it's the unexpectations of, wow, you went out of your way to make sure I was actually taken care of and to where I was in a safe in another bed rather than, hey, we got a fire. Get out of there and we'll come there and take care of, you know, your check. Right. So it was going above and beyond. And that to me. Um, was very, very important. And I believe data people process, that's what it is. Wow. Wow. Sorry about that. I know no. that was long-winded, but that's... No, no, that's, that's. I mean, for, like I said, I haven't heard this. And for those that have not heard it, whether you were at Innovation 19 or if you've spoken another place, um, that's amazing. So thank you for uh, letting the loyal listeners know about that. And I think a lot of people are also going to be checking out Hippo, um, I think I was speaking with a fellow masterminder, Matt Jungle, and I think he just signed up with them to offer Hippo. Um, it's an interesting company. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, and I mean, you get you get um, they send you a lot of the stuff that you have to go buy through Nest, like the the sensors. Okay, they give you water sensors, humidity mm-hmm. sensors. It does the whole thing. I mean, so remember I told you the three processes. Yep. Like one of their first processes is preventative. Right. So they give you, they just don't say, Hey, you should do this and that. They come in and they do that. Like they give you the thing to hook onto your water meter so that they can tell if there's a water leak. They give you that stuff and they give you a discount for it. And if you don't do, if you don't put it on within 60 days, then you just, then you 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 lose lose the discount. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's something that, um, the company that we've, we both do business with Erie Insurance, they sent out something. Uh, within the last year or two um, to check for, for water damage. So, mm-hmm. and it's something that uh, consumers have been asking about. It's like, I have taken X, Y, and Z preventative measures. And it's like, congratulations, you did that. The only discounts you get on your home insurance are really, do you have an alarm on your house? Right. Is basically right. what it amount. And we can't so even the verify companies, that. And so see what they're doing. The companies are expecting them to use that as a duty clause to protect, right? Right. They, they're expecting that, but they're missing the boat on the person saying, well, wait a minute, you should have always done that. Well, yeah, but now we have um, now we have products that help prevent that. Wait a minute, you're the one who's not going to have to pay. You're the one preventing. You pay for those damn things to come in here. Right. You know, so I think we can't lose yeah. a sight on that. Also, the way Hippo mm-hmm. runs their company is completely different. They do not have an underwriting department. Huh. All... And so, Josh, Josh, this is important for all you loyal listeners. When we were talking about the animals, mm-hmm. they take 25% of the premium. They have no Munich Re does all of their underwriting. So what did Munich Re do? Munich Re cut out part of the insurance company, said, you guys are good at tech. Mm-hmm. You guys are good at that. So in rating and stuff. You send them through the raters, send them to us, we'll underwrite them, and then we'll send them back out to the customer 
and mm. and and that'll the way it's done. So hippo, it's on hippo paper, yeah. but it's not really hippo's paper. But here's what I'm saying to you: why this is an advantage is is hippo can go to states like Florida. They mm. can go to states that are very hard hit. Now, guys, you got to think about this. Think this all the way through, loyal listeners. So when they go there, and the, why would they want to go to Florida where there's a lot of claims? Hippo, not Munich Creek. Because they get 25% of the premium. Where would you go? You would write the premium. So if you go to Hippo, if you go to te- uh, Florida and you write a $10,000 premium home, they right. get $2,500 of that. If they come to Illinois and they write a $1,000 home, they get but, to $250 yep. of that, right? So they're going to go to Florida. Now, that's a good thing for the industry because most most companies stay out of there because they can't make a what? An underwriting profit. So Hippo said to Munich Re, hey, you do the underwriting. Who are they cutting out? They're cutting out that company. Just like that CEO said, Columbia Mutual, they're trying to get closer to us. Yep. And now they're trying to say, wait a minute, we can control the underwriting, but let them do everything else. That's a perfect world for a reinsurer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about agency models. So I mentioned the four before and we'll we'll remind the loyal listeners. So we have classic, which um, is traditional, what we have now, modern, which is mixing some technology with people, hybrid, which is using um, high automation um, and modern. And then you have automated, which is completely automated. So we have the four. Is it possible for an agency to be more than one or to be all four? Hmm. Well, you couldn't be all four. Okay. You could probably be three, but to be the fourth one, the automated agency, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is not created yet. Okay. okay. There, I don't know anybody that is. Mm-hmm. Um, probably is somebody out there. I just don't know. Um, and, and, and the reason is, is when we're looking at this chart that, jo- that Josh and I are looking at, left to right, classic, modern, hybrid, automated. Let's break some of this down. The okay. classic agency um, has little or no AMS. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that. We yep. don't know how that's possible. Overstaffed because they have little or no AMS. High walk-in traffic, no automation, high expenses, little to no digital footprint, increase older clientele. Mm-hmm. Their weapon of choice, which... The weapon of choice was an additive by a Wesley Anderson. Their weapon of choice is hire another expensive CSR because that's the way their mentality is, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's just what they thought. Like, hey, we got so much work, we need to hire more people. Right. A lot of people are – if you're listening right now, you're probably thinking, well, what else do you do? You do a lot of other things besides you hire hiring more people. Okay. So, all right. Then the modern is moving to the right now is saying – Great use of an AMS, low use of a CRM, nice little additive, right? Yeah. So it got everybody who's modern has an AMS, but now some of them are trying to do that CRM, which customer relationship management actually means that we should be controlling the interactions. But really what we do is we just manage our email, our, our, um, our marketing and, and texting and stuff out of it yeah. and call that a CRM. That's not what a CRM is. Yep. That's the reason why Neon's not a CRM or an AMS, okay? Uh, we got to create a name. I don't know. I just think we call it Neon. All right, so great use of AMS, low use of CRM, low staff, no walk-in, low expenses, little automation used, 
increased pay and unlimited vacation, digital footprint, outsourcing some services. The weapon of choice of the modern agency is the CSR paired with outsourcing. That's what they, that's what they think, okay? Now, what's important is, is increased pay. That went back to the data and the people. Okay. Because when I know that I use KPIs and I can follow my actions through cases, mm-hmm. I now know that I can pay my people more. And then I can say to them right now, people say, hey, I pay you $25 an hour. Here's a bonus equivalent of $5 an hour if you do this or this. We'll be able to say, no, here's $30 an hour. That's part of the job. And if mm-hmm. you don't do that, then we're going to subtract off. That's a very tough thing for people to say. Normally where you hear people say, Josh, or loyal listeners, you'll hear them say, well, man, that's a good idea, but boy, that would be an accounting nightmare, Yep. right? That's the things that, what are we saying? Man, that's a good idea. We just don't have software to really make that happen, but right. we need that. That's what Neon is. Okay, so. Um, is TIA a modern agency? Is that how you classify yourself? I would say we're a modern slash hybrid. That's where I'm going to answer your question and okay. say, these are um, like there's these are the four main islands, and okay. there's little islands in between them. Let's just basically say. Sure. But I didn't I didn't want to go and name and discuss all the governments of all of those islands, so we just chose four. Okay. <laughs> right. Best way to say. It. So, and then we have a hybrid. Okay. Uh-huh. So we have the classic, the modern, and the hybrid. The hybrid is great use of AMS and CRM tools, uh-huh. low staff, highly automated, high outsource, great digital footprint. Little person to person sales, mm-hmm. option of quote bind issue, mm-hmm. option of that, and no service. I also want to let you know that I can't I can't see the future far enough to see this could be commercial lines. This was more focused towards the personal lines, and a lot of the people I'm speaking to in the industry are that. Now it tells it's funny the independent insurance agents hold the most insurance for commercial insurance, but but most of the agents I know all do personal lines. They shouldn't, but they do. Yeah, that's uh, that was actually once you finish, I was going to be my question is, obviously, this has to apply really just to personal lines right now. Commercial lines is not at a place where it can be done. And especially, and maybe I'm wrong, but especially like the whales that you've talked about that you want to go mm-hmm. after. I don't know. Maybe David Crothers will correct us and say that it can be done um, this way, but but uh, few not, will do what Carruthers does, and yeah. most of them will do stick with personal lines and all yeah. this other stuff. Yeah. But no, no, no. There is something that you brought up a very good point because here's the deal. You know the um, the high speed the, the mobile networks of uh, some other countries are better than America, and the reason is is we're tied to an old school technology um, infrastructure, the right. phone, mm-hmm. right? I believe, and so these others who don't have that infrastructure of phone, they came out with, they just jumped right into mobile years ago and boom, they just sprouted, right? I see the same thing here. I see this, I see that personal lines, I don't think that commercial lines will follow personal lines in the way that an agency is operated or how commercial lines insurance is processed, sold, and serviced. I do not think that. I think that commercial lines will be able to learn from what was done great with personal lines, but we'll be able to jump it because we're not we're not tied to the infrastructure of raiders and all that stuff. Right. Okay. So I think, once again, Tarmica and stuff will be great. But I, I think that we're going to be a light speed. If anybody has seen an Insurion, 
Insurion is the transformation of how commercial lines insurance will be done. And when you see behind the scenes how things are being transcribed through the phone call and AI automation is looking up coverages and cross-selling and, and knowing what products are based on the conversation that's happening, what companies offer those products and things to upsell. I mean, this is unbelievable to where the human is doing nothing. It's like flying an autoplane pilot. It's like you're just you're just sitting there reading what the thing is saying and answering the questions. And and then, you know, it's it, it's it's night and day. That's nothing like personal lines, but I see that commercial lines will go to that, okay. especially, especially, especially in smaller. Right. I think in more of the whales, it will be me talking to my computer or me in my AI machine dissecting data from right. the client like I do now with Zywave, but having things that are a lot like an intelligent AI machine sitting there saying, hey, Jason, you remember the other three non propos we worked on? Well, looking at data points, dude, this one's nothing similar. And we're going to have to focus in on this area and this. And agents are hitting over here, but they're seeing it totally wrong. Mm -hmm. And that will be the agent. That will be how that one will look. So one will be more the eight. It will be friendly to the consumer. One will be more friendly to the agent. But a lot of the same characteristics will be the same. So that will be hybrid. Okay. And and, and the, the and, and that's why the option of quote by an issue, mm -hmm. I have that now on my commercial lines. I do not have that for personal lines. Mm -hmm. you, you do not have anything on my website or anything in my agency that you can go quote your own insurance for I don't know, motorcycle or anything, and you can bind. And I really don't know many agents that do. No, I don't I know. I really don't. No. I really don't. Okay. HIPAA would allow you. Right. Okay. So you can see now how Matt Maybe a modern, but he's starting to tiptoe into hybrid now. Right. See, because he's given that option for that quote by an issue. Right. So that that's kind of how some of that stuff goes. But if you're in commercial lines right now, you can go to my website and you can get a quote for 400 classes of business in three pages, literally in three minutes. You can you can you can issue it, you can bind it, you can pay for it, and everything, and it gets serviced through um, Hiscox's uh, service center. It's right now. You can go to my website and do it. If anybody is listening to this and you want to do it, go to theinsurancealliance.com, click on products, go down to business products, and then scroll to the bottom. And that's where you'll see our, our, our rating link and it'll take you to it. Nice. So you can kind of see we're kind of highly automated, high outsource. We're high outsource. We have more outside outsource employees than we do um, regular employees. We have a great digital footprint. I don't think it's as good as it could be, but that's not due to our, our, our marketing doesn't necessarily call for that. Little person-to-person -person sales, ours are very, very high sales on the commercial lines, person-to-person, -person, very little on personal lines. We do offer service, but we are trying to get rid of every piece of service we can, whether that's a billing question, whether that's trying to write with companies who offer service. I remember I used to think Progressive was crazy when they would offer us to service our accounts for us. And now I'm like, yeah, give it to them. Now, the automated is the last one. That's no AMS system. Now, think of that. That's think of Josh, Josh. I wrote that before I knew freaking Neon. I wrote that before I knew Neon. And people were like, what do you mean you're not going to have an AMS? And I'm like, you know, my answer was, I don't know, but I just know that, you know? And so, so no staff, no service, very low expenses, quote to bind issue, not option. That is the way. Marketing is the only expense and it's an all digital footprint. What does this look like? You go to a company like Hippo and you say, I want access to your rating API. I'm going to do nothing but create Facebook and Google ads, and I'm going to drive people to that API. They're going to get a quote. 7% of those people will buy instantly. 15% of them of those, 15% will buy 
um, with interaction as a text, an email, or a call. 7% will buy with no interaction. They'll just buy, quote, buy an issue by themselves. When you take those numbers and you start to figure out how many, how many people I need to run based on those 7 and 15% to sell based on the commission percentage, which is 10 to 12%, you start to realize that if I'm really good at selling uh, Facebook ads and, or, and, and Google ads and I can run them there, the only thing I'm needing to do, because when that person buys, you know who services it? Hippo does. Yeah. So I could be an agency literally working out of the basement of my home, just doing nothing with a laptop but creating Facebook ads to drive people to this raider so that they buy. When they, when they buy, I get credit for it and my agency gets paid and I have no service. That is an automated agency. That is an agency that's out there. Why is that not out there? I'll just, I'll just tell you something that no one knows. Me, Nicholas Ayers, Preston Schmidley, McBilly Sy, Christopher Cook, and Travis Etheridge tried it about two years ago and we uh well it was about a year and a half ago and we sunk some money into it we did and reason why we couldn't make it happen we actually got a company to make it happen okay started doing good and then they pulled the trigger or pulled the plug on us because their own marketing company was getting upset their own marketing department that preston and nicholas and mcbilly were out producing their leads. And so they shut us down. They gave us their API, but they wouldn't let us get access to the pixel that allowed us to see where their ads were being successful and where they weren't. So it was almost like, hey, you guys can be our partner, but we're not going to give you any of our data. And we're like, well, we'll give you our data. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? That's how we're both going to get smarter here. Um, we could never find a company to understand it. If anybody out there understands affiliate marketing, this is what will lead to the automated agency. So let me give you an example of affiliate, affiliated marketing. Okay. Affiliated marketing is, is I come out with a product A, okay? Not, not in the insurance world, just out there. I come out with a product and I go get a bunch of people who are good at writing blogs and are big affiliate marketers and I give them my product and tell them to write a blog about it. Mm -hmm. And then people like Josh who need a product find it because the day it's launched, there's a thousand blogs that go out. Google's going crazy, just doo -doo 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 -doo, sending people there. Those people then go and buy my product. Okay. And, and the person who is the affiliate marketer gets paid a essentially a commission. Right. It's taking commission sales and taking it to a new level that says, I don't want to have anything to do with the product. I don't want to have ownership in the product. I don't want to use the product, buy the product or anything. Just let me see it. So I can write a blog about it. I'll push it out there and then you sell them when they come to your website. Wow. The first company of, this is affiliate marketing. They've been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years. The first company that understands that. And if you're a carrier right now and you're thinking about this, please contact me because we already have the infrastructure. We already created the corporation. We already got licensed in 16 states and then this, and we got so good at it that they literally said, no, we're not going to do that anymore. We're like, we're selling you more freaking policies. What the hell are you talking about? And uh, you know, ego. you know why? Ego, ego. The owner, the CEO of this company's first employee and best friend is the head of the marketing mm -hmm. and digital analytics department. And we made him look silly. Yep. And to be honest with you, all we were trying to do was help him look good. He just can't get out of his own way. Right. But the first company that figures that out and says, hey, I'm going to go to a bunch of agents, make them affiliates. 
oh my gosh, they're going to blow up and they're going to become successful overnight just because Josh, Jason, Nicholas, all, everybody in the industry is saying that they're the go-to for homeowners insurance. It's wow. ridiculous, dude. Ridiculous. But that is what will create affiliate type marketing is what will create that because it's the mindset of my son who's 21 or my other son who's 15 that dad, I, I just want to get the people there. I don't want to do all that selling and stuff like that. And we look at them today like, well, son, hell, you're not going to be successful. No, you are. I understand that there's an automated level there and that's what our kids are going to find attractive. Yeah. That's what they're going to say, wow, I like that. So classic, modern, hybrid, and automated, I believe wholeheartedly. Also, also, the weapon of choice for the automated mm-hmm. is no CSR technology and outsourcing. So let's read the weapon of choices again. The weapon of choice for classic is hire another expensive CSR. The weapon of choice for modern is CSR paired with outsourcing. This, um, the, the weapon of choice for the hybrid is the CSR paired with outsourcing and technology. And then the automated weapon of choice is no CSR technology and outsourcing. Wow. Okay. So you don't need it. Yeah. You don't need any of that shit. You just need marketers. That's it. That's it. The first company that figures that out is going to, is going to blow up. And we already started it. Stupid son of a gun. Anyway, so that, that's a data people process, yep. I believe, will be the ca- catalyst that is going to help us not with customer ex- service, not with customer experience. Mm-hmm. It's going to be customer interactions that give us their expectations and their unexpectations that allow us to create a risk management program and customer experience that will truly separate us from everybody else. And it's known as the great separator. Now, what was amazing is, is when I did look at what John C. Maxwell considered to be the great separator, I thought it was very fitting when he said that. I thought it was very, very fitting when he said um, what he said out there about this. What he said was, is it is not the most, um, let's see, he said it's, it's uh, starting is the great separator. It, separa- it separates the doers from the do-nots, the have from the have-nots, the winners from the whiners, and the successful from the unsuccessful. Now, see, what I, what I really liked and the reason why I ended my presentation in that is it's in other industries. It's in leadership. It's in everything around us that there's the great separator is those who do and those who do not. So you could sit here and you can read my book. You can listen to this podcast and you can think, oh, wow, Jason and Josh are having a great conversation and they're going to change the world. We're not doing shit. You have to change the world. Yes. John C. Maxwell says the great separator is you being the doer and do not. You having the have and the have not. You being the winner and not the whiner and you being the successful and not the successful. And I believe that if you can keep that in line and you start to look at hard trends and soft trends and you start to look at what other industries are doing and how they're utilizing us as the product and realize that all these companies around here, this is the key, Josh, they are jealous to know how much data we have and the interactions that we have with our clients. They freaking would salivate at their chops once they find out and they will. We will make a lot of money yeah. not even doing insurance. Insurance will just be a part. I want to say that I know I'm going on, but this is important. This is so important. Um, the way Seth describes it mm-hmm. is he describes our agency as a mine. And right now we are in our mine and we are digging gold. That's what we are doing. 
And every couple times a day, we bring the gold out of the mine and we're giving it to somebody else. And then they are taking it to the market and selling it. Mm-hmm. And they're giving us a piece of it. Right. Okay? The problem is, is we've always assumed that the mine, the, the gold is our revenue of our agency. And it is. But today's world, the companies know, they know that we think that the revenue is it. But to them, it's the data of our agency. We're, think of all the data we're putting in every day into a raider that's going into all the company's websites. I mean, they now see this. I'm not saying that they started out with, hey, let's create this raider so we can collect all this data. No, it was for efficiency and profitability and for simply ease of use. But we still think it's that, Josh. Right. They know that it's way more than that. They know that it's more than that. And why should we go pay for data to pre-fill your system, Josh, when you'll do it for us? Right. We say to the companies, why do you do it for the consumer and not for us? You know their answer? Because the consumer won't put it in there. You will. Oh, right. holy shit. Wait a minute. Yep. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. What you're doing is is you're cutting your costs and putting that expense on me. Right. See, we don't see it that way, Josh, because there's no way for us to track it. Right. So the carriers and the vendors, they allow us to be blind. They allow us to not really be able to measure anything, which means there's really nothing if you can't measure it. Right. They allow this. And so, so, so as, as Seth says, they are having us go into the mine and dig up the gold. And here's the deal. We're giving them $100 worth of gold. But only a portion of that is premium that we're being paid on. The rest is data and we're giving it away for free. And then what we're also saying is when an aggregator comes along, an aggregator is a guy who stands right outside the mine and he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't sell it to the insurance company. Sell it to me first and then I'll go and sell it to the insurance company for a little bit more money and I'll give you an extra point of that. All right. That's what this is, and it's BS because after they take the gold from us, you know what they tell us? All right, get you a little sip of water. Go ahead and get back down in the mine. No. You know why? You know why, insurance agent out there? Because it's your damn mine. And now has come the point in time where I can say I'm going to keep mining that premium data, that premium. But, man, that data now, that data is going to be mine, and I'm going to own it, and if you want it, you're going to pay for it. And if you want to turn around and sell it to other people, you can't. I'm going to just allow you to have the data. And you can't do that today, Mr. Insurance Agent, because you don't truly own that data, that AMS system that company does. When we start trans- transforming this, this great separator will be built on technology that allows that data to be yours and for you to utilize it the way you want to. And you can sell it and use it however you want, as long as you have basic consent and security rights, obviously, of what the consumer allows and stuff. But that is what the great separator is. And I'm excited because it's here and I'll be live on it July 13th. I will throw this out there. Brainshare is going to happen October 25th through the 20, I think, 8th. I haven't said it in so long. I can't remember now. Yeah, yeah it's it's the last Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in October. Yep. And I want you to know that one of the reasons why I bring that up, Josh, is I am going to open up. I mean, Neon will be seen like a running and, hey, here's my cases and here's my interactions so far and here's the data that I've seen and here's the unbelievable stuff. And we're going to have Seth there to show his. We're going to have, uh, by then, I think there's nine of us that will be live and okay. going. And I can, uh, 
It's another reason why people should go to BrainShare. BrainShare is invite only. I am. If you go to AIBrainShare.com and you put in uh, and you can go there, you can get an invite. I am telling you, I've got about 20 to 30 spots that are opening up because of some of the people I invited. Um, not have paid, but some of the people that have invited, they've just said, hey, my wife's not going to let me go or my husband's not going to let me go because of the kids and tra traveling at that time with COVID. Um, but of all the other people that have already signed up, we got about 60 and they have uh, not backed out yet. Have you signed up, Josh? Yep. Signed yep. up. Yep. yep. Hannah's coming. So Right. Hannah, Hannah says it's good. It's good. That's it's how it. we kind of live life. Yes. Yes. This is true. This is true. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Very, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm very blessed to have her. You're very blessed. And the thing that's unique about you two is I don't really know you two a lot together, um, but I bet you, you guys think a lot alike, don't you? Oh, you guys are. Yes. Yeah. We very much. Yes. We're, we're very, very compatible. I mean, she will say it on a regular basis. I'm so glad that we think the same. That's what she says on a regular basis. Cause she couldn't imagine having to argue or justify the things that she needs once or does uh to me you're pretty, you're pretty laid back though as well i, I mean, think I so you, i think i so. bet you you're kind of <laughs> is is she kind of the more energetic higher no no actually i'm the more outgoing one than her yeah wow yeah okay. yeah but she's an accountant right she is yep she's a cpa she's so yeah, yeah very uh her. she's I'm more analytical her. than uh than yes, i am is. and uh yes, she is. i look forward to uh to yeah. hanging out with her and you in uh, Puerto Rico. So yeah. yes, but anyways, back to your show. Sorry yeah. about that. That That's is okay. separate. That's okay. Well, um, the the last thing that you kind of went over when you were talking about the the, the data process and people, um, one thing that I thought of is over the last few years, we've had this issue in the industry where we're going to be losing so many people due to their retirement that we're going to have um, you know, a, a need for, for more people. This takes care of that issue. So we don't have to worry about, are we going to be um, at a loss? Um, not that the people that we're losing, that it, we don't need to respect them, but the fact that it's not going to be the issue that we thought. So that's well, if you'd like this up to, if you've liked this up to this point, then you may not like this. It's okay that we lose you. We're looking forward to losing you. Um, it, I, it's just one of those ways I've been my whole life in this industry where it's like, man, I want people to be a part of this and I want them to experience this. No, no, no. I do those who are in it and those who are going to come before it, but I want you to experience it and know to where it doesn't embarrass me. It doesn't. And what I mean by that is like, I have to fight the fact that another independent agent acted like his grandpa's independent agent. And I have to fight that every day, Josh. I don't know where this statistic keeps coming up with insurance agents are hated as much as car agent or, or car or car salesmen. And right. I don't know where it comes from. No, because I have to tell you, dude, like we all have 90 to 92 to 95, 90 high 80s, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Retention. I mean, and the people who leave us, they're not leaving us because they're unhappy. They're leaving us for price or you right. know, service or their brother got in the business or. Right. I mean, where is this coming from? I think that this is an old adage that people just keep repopulating this thing because I think in today's world, man, I think insurance agents are are liked and respected. They I are. mean, I, I don't know where that comes from. And, 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 and maybe in the old adage it was, but I just have to say that once again, going back to what you're saying, we're, we're going to lose people in this industry. And if we lose you in this industry, it's 
your own doing and it's your own demise. And I hate to say that, but I'm just being real. Um, everybody who's listening, I hope you make it past the great separator. Yep. I just know that probably the old lady rule 20 rule is going to yep. pan, pan out. There's too many factors. You have to be niche. Your debt, you got to collect the data. Your people are going to put you out of business. If you don't put yourself out of business, you got to have process. These are all things process. We've known process has been an issue for years, but we've been able to get away with it. Why? Because we have renewals. So where we make up, where we miss up, mess up on all the new business, we have other renewals that can take that spot. But here's the deal. If I can make more money than you because I'm selling my data and I have better people, I'm going to, you're going to eliminate yourself just by the basic business tenants and not being able to compete. All right. I'm done. Oh yeah. I I made a comment, um, at innovation 17 in Orlando about that. And, um, that was not a well accepted, um, I know. It's yeah. Not, so, so public apology to Nicholas Ayers, uh, for that and everything that you had to deal with for that. So, well, I think that, hey. that brings us to the end of, of everything. So yeah, it's done. Hey, you ever watch suits? Oh, love suits all the time. Dude, oh. Love suits. I saw a post that I posted, mm-hmm. um, a, uh, a year ago and it says, I just love this quote. It, it took me forever. I had to rewind it um, on suits. It's uh, a bullshit claim on the right day is better than a great claim on a bullshit day. Harvey Specter's grandma. So he uh-huh. said a couple. He said a couple times in mm-hmm. the show. Yeah. He would say a bullshit claim on the right day. Really think about what he's saying here. A bullshit claim, and he's a lawyer. A bullsh- bullshit claim on the right day is better than a great claim on a bullshit day. And if you really, really sit there and think about that, that's really, really true. So point because you could have the greatest claim in the world, but if it's a bad day, who gives a shit? Yep. You know, but you can have the worst claim in the world, but if it's a great day, every there, and that's how I respect your grandma. I got to respect that. Yep, Thank too. you very much, Josh, for doing what you're doing here and explain this book to me. Yeah. I think this is fantastic. I think uh, the loyal listeners are happy to have you and we're going to support you through and through to do whatever we have to deliver great stuff uh, to, to our audience. Uh, yeah. Welcome to AI podcast network. Dude. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Well, again, thank you, Jason, um, for joining me on the final episode of, of the limited series. And we'll, let the loyal listeners know that there will be more to come in the future. So we're very excited about that, working on that. So uh, hopefully you guys are uh, ready for that. If you have any suggestions, uh, let us know. You can send them to Jason at agency-intelligence.com. At some point, I'll probably have Josh at agency-intelligence.com. But we'll let you guys know about that. So, Everyone, remember to be safe, be healthy, and love everyone. This has been Josh Lipstone with Explain This Book to Me.